and welcome to the gray area where i give interviews with developers talk about gaming news and give you unique insights into the industry my name is jesse gray and this is the 124th episode in a show called sumo in the big planets today is tuesday july 18th and we're going to talk to seb lisa david hello yes hello welcome to the show (laughs) david dino and I think Hello. Tom Davis from Plan of Attack. So you two are from Sumo Digital, and we're going to talk a lot about Sumo. But let's begin with our first question, which we always do. What is your news of the week? Jump in, whoever wants to go first. Go, Seth. Go. Go. Uh, well, it's not been a week ago since Develop Awards, where we got nominated for uh, Best New IP, mm-hmm. and unfortunately did not win, but Undercooked. Overcooked, I mean. Didn't win. <laughs> Very well deserved, so I guess that's my news. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Did and you enjoy Brighton? Yeah, it was, it was very nice. Little excellent. As they say, it's an honor just to be nominated. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. It was my first Develop Awards, so it was just an experience being there. It was really nice. Awesome. David, your turn. Right. My turn. Okay, since we were supposed to be just random news. Um, random. Well, maybe not so much random. I got my hamster a little ball for it to run Aww. around. So, yeah, really cute. It's a little chubby um, Syrian hamster. Her name's Momo, so she's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just running around. She, no fear whatsoever when, the moment she got in a ball. And then I've been planning for Halloween already. Wow. So I've been, I've been looking for costumes, and I think I found one. It's um, <laughs> It's a... Frieza costume from Dragon Ball Z, like a full body suit. Wait, or... A costume for your hamster? Or... No, for me. Oh, for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how a wow. hamster would look like Frieza, but hey, you know, we'll see what we can do. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm currently looking at at the moment, just to be silly. So, yeah. Now, the question is, do you have carpet or hardwood floor, and do you have hardwood. stairs? Because all important questions for your hamster to know. So the hamster is on... The bottom floor, <laughs> and it is hardwood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We important. just gotta go down the stairs. It's crazy. No fear. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Tom. Hello. Yeah. Um, What's news of the week? Interesting. Um, I guess I have. I can say I have two. One of them is I'm going on holiday on Friday. So um, that's, but it's not really news. I knew that a while ago. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's news to something us. Something I'm looking forward to for the week. That's for but sure. It's like the seventh. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, I um, last night I was uh, just kind of doing some random internet browsing, and I came across this thing called um, Brick B R I K, which is essentially um, it lets you you buy like a tile which fits Lego bricks. And you can create and you can buy individually colored little single um, Lego blocks to kind of make drawings and stuff with these tiles and put them on the wall. Oh. So I had the genius idea, which my girlfriend does not like the sound of, but it's going to happen, to um, create a one-to-one pixel ratio of um, a video game um, tile block. So I'm, I'm going to try... Um, a little screenshot of um, Link's Awakening DX, which is one of my favorite Zelda games. So I'm going to start that, I think, uh, when I get back from my holiday. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. Okay, so another question for you guys. Childhood games. What's your favorite, and were you big gamers as kids? Uh, oh. yeah, how, was... how young, though, is the question. 
young enough to use a controller because I don't know about you, but back in my day, it was really more of controller uh, console games than PC games per se. Well, I was definitely a really big gamer as a kid as well. So I played pretty much anything that came out between 1985 and today. Yeah. So, well, there's always two titles that spring to the top for me, and that's Donkey Kong Country 2 and uh, Chrono Trigger. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Both Super Nintendo era. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, David. Oh, boy. I think, well, you know how everybody complains about Dark Souls being hard and stuff like that. Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo. <laughs> That's the original controller killer right there. And I played, because that was like, I think, out of the three games that I owned when I was still really young. Because, you know, parents were like, okay, pick one or two, and then that's pretty much it for the rest of the year. Yeah, I had to grit my teeth and, <laughs> and get through that sucker for ages. I never beat it, though. So... But yeah, it was that and probably Super Mario Brothers 2. 2, just because you know, it was just completely different from Super Mario Brothers, the first one anyway. Uh, well, which is, it's Super Mario Brothers 2 USA. Uh, mm-hmm. I get more technical about it, but yeah, just being able to pick things up and, you know, picking multiple characters and, yeah. No, I, just, I agree. I was just playing that last week, weirdly. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's still fun and hard. Yes. Were you playing the uh, the Super Nintendo remake, or were you playing Game like, Boy Advance remake, or whatever? The Super the... Nintendo. Or... Okay, cool. Yes, yes. Awesome. We still have all the old games, so it's kind nice. of fun to plug it in. You ready for the Super Nintendo Classic, then? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, a lot of people have been <laughs> excited about this. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to like the Switch, and I'm trying to move forward with my Vita and not backwards toward the Super right. Nintendo. <laughs> no. So Tom, your turn. Were you a gamer as a kid? Um, I was, and still am, obsessed with video games. Um, I'm a bit younger than. Um, oh, we've got some video there. Oh, there I'm a bit here. younger than um, Seven Dino. Uh, <laughs> we did have a Super Nintendo. <laughs> Um, in fact, my first memory was of my brother opening up a Super Nintendo for um, his birthday, and it was the Mario All-Stars bundle one. Oh, and I didn't know, I had no idea what it was, but I just saw this picture of uh, Mario with this like magician's hat on, and just that, just that image, that drawing captivated me, and from then I've just always loved video games. But the N64 was, was the console that... I could really appreciate what was happening because um, I was about, I guess I was, I don't know, come around, 96, 95? Yeah, I was like five or six when it came out. I was born in 1990. Oh, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. click, he's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but then well, yeah, once I played Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time, it just, yeah, I've never, I've never forgotten how they felt. And in fact, there have been very few games that have managed to make me feel that way again. That was the game which really sort of like cemented my love of video games and just still is one of the best games ever made. Okay, Dino, a minute for you. Uh, game design and PR, creative and communications. What kind of unicorn are you? Oh, man. <laughs> Where did they discover this miracle? I have no idea how that you know all came to. I think it's just because I'm a loud American and it really stand out over here uh, in the UK. But um, yeah, so... Uh, just like Seb, um, I 
got into the gaming industry via doing uh, user-created stuff in Little Big Planet. Uh, that was really just more of a, a thing that I just wanted to mess around with more than anything else. I didn't really think I was going to get anywhere. Uh, prior to that, I was working at a hospital in Los Angeles as a risk analyst. So you know, these two completely different ends of you know the spectrum there in terms of that. But I guess jumping into the the communications and, and PR side of it too, um, I did loads of things in college where I was like a... Um, the campus rep, uh, did a fair bit of just marketing with them, so on and so forth. I even did some stuff while I was doing the risk analysis stuff in the, in the hospital. And then when it came to, I guess, Little Big Planet, uh, I guess one of the first things that I created caught a lot of attention, uh, especially when Little Big Planet just came out during the during the beta phase. I made this uh, level called the Azure Palace, and I made this gigantic, well, underwater world and they didn't have water specifically in there so it was just more of a I guess a, a tech demo to see that you can create multiple kinds of you know, gameplay uh, out of their very, I wouldn't say basic creator but in the grand scheme of things to what, what they were able to do now it's, it, was, it, is, it was pretty basic uh, compared to what we've added but then I you know, made a gigantic dragon that chases you throughout the level and everything, and it just ended up getting a lot of hype, and I ended up doing, like, um, I guess, uh, magazine interviews with official PlayStation Magazine. Um, when Core was a big thing during the early PlayStation 3, PlayStation Network days, uh, Veronica Belmont came to my house, Ooh. and <laughs> we did an interview there. It was crazy. So, yeah, and from there, I just ended up get, getting in contact with... Um, Sony, uh, SCA or SIA now, and um, Media Molecule, and, and doing some PR work with them about the game and the things that you can do. So went to Comic Con via that way, and just made a lot of connections along the way, and eventually found out that I, you know, they were hiring uh, to create more Little Big Planet games. And they were hiring from the community, and I got in touch uh, with Sumo Digital uh, via Media Molecule, and. Uh, during what I think it was like E3 2011, I met up with the Sumo Digital uh, creative director, Sean Millard, and just kind of went from there and just applied pretty much everything that I've done prior to that to this job and gone from, again, uh, just doing initial game design, level design um, on the Little Big Planet games to uh, doing telemetry analysis, uh, which you know takes a look at the player data and tries to visualize that and analyze it for the designers and, and biz dev. And then from there, it just kind of went into marketing with all the different PR bits that I did for um, Sony and Little Big Planet and eventually Sumo. So it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, every once in a while, I read about you and students and doing things with education, game design, stuff like that. It seems like you have a pretty soft spot for kids, like reading about Stem Cell Sackboy and some of the oh, yeah, stuff from Media, uh, Media Molecule and the Stem Cell Research yeah. Education, all that. So, I mean, I don't know if that comes into the games that you create as well, because they seem to be more of a family-oriented kind of focus of like stylistically maybe more more younger people would enjoy as well as older people so like what's your take on i guess the education aspect of of some of the things that you're doing when you reach out wow yeah because i think it's always important to get people uh children especially involved in um uh, science technology engineering and math 
as soon as possible. And I, the, the reason why I picked that the whole stem cell research is because it was just it kind of fit the name in <laughs> yes. itself. It, it, it gives you and using Little Big Planet to teach that just gave um, people or kids I hopefully a better understanding of how those things work and why people are doing it and why it's so important and at the same time gamifying it as well and yeah it's, it's, I think it's just really important to get them involved at such an early age to do those, to do those things and and when we were working on that on that project we also found out that there were there were schools in New York actually using little big planet to teach logic and encoding as well which was really cool to see so just being able to, I guess, give the youth all the options that they can to uh, promote themselves, get better, and, and to eventually, you know, this is a very high level, of, <laughs> hopefully make the world a better place for us when I get old, because I don't want to necessarily work on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah, reap the benefits, but at the same time, of course, you know, it's, <laughs> Just, just promoting the, the joy that I had um, creating that stuff and hopefully being able to uh, see that get re get recycled and even you know flourish through the, the younger community. So, Good. Seb, you you seem a lot more private. It's really hard to find that secret blog of personal thoughts that you have online. Even just finding a picture of you is difficult. So we're going to go with a more technical. We talk to you now. But if there's any you know inner thoughts that you'd like to share with me, you just go ahead. So talking about Unreal um, and basically kind of reading about the process of how Snake Pass came to be and, and you kind of learning that engine at the same time. What are your thoughts about Unreal, which is so popular with a lot of indie devs lately, compared to the engines that you've worked with in the past? Well, I, I absolutely love Unreal. Like, I will promote Unreal every opportunity I get. I think it's by far the most user-friendly engine that's available right now. And on top of that, it's free, so... Yeah, it just gave me the opportunity when I needed to learn something to get the software free online. And there's an almost infinite database of tutorials and, and useful information that will help you learn the engine. And like, if you have the commitment, you can easily just learn yourself how to make a game using Unreal Engine. And because the engine itself is so powerful in, in the sense of what it can process graphically, it's, it's really simple, relatively simple to make your stuff look very good as well so it's very user-friendly it's very easy to learn and yeah the visuals you get it almost for free I remember when we just picked up the engine and when we just started working with it uh, I had a conversation with someone who had been working with it for a long time and he says once you understand all the options within Unreal it's it's like adding 20 people to your team just by choosing that engine and now that I do know all the options, it does feel like that sometimes. Like I'm able to do so much by myself in terms of lighting, materials, uh, yeah, logic, all the stuff I can do it myself. And it feels like, yeah, I've got 20 people behind me who would normally do that in another engine for me. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the coding involved as well, too. Just, well, yeah. In, in the beginning stages, exactly, anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Before I started Unreal, I tried another engine and... That one requires you to learn code, and I, I could not get my head around that. And I mean, I can do all kinds of technical stuff, but actually learning code is something that my brain just refuses to do. <laughs> it's too boring for me. <laughs> but, uh, when I switched to Unreal, kind of frustrated with that other engine because I couldn't get my ideas actually working. When I switched to Unreal, which uses a completely different way of programming your stuff, 
well, you can still do everything in code, but they have the blueprint system as well, which is like a visual uh, scripting language. And I, I completely that completely clicked with me, and I was within a week able to do just to make every, anything that was in my head. I could get a working prototype within a few days, and it, I still use it that way. Like sometimes I, I come home at night, I have some weird idea, and I'll just sit in Unreal for a few hours, get it out of my head, and see if it's fun or not. And yeah, that's that's kind of how. Snake Pass came into be as well. At that point, I was still learning, but it was still like, oh, I wonder if I can make that. And, and yeah, within a few days, I was able to make it. <laughs> do you do you think this is going to open opportunities for different dev teams, especially indie companies? Because what I run into personally is it's not it's too hard to find a game designer. It, finding an artist is sometimes not as bad, but finding someone who codes is like you know, that golden mean that's really difficult to get to make your team complete. And a lot of times it kind of stymies any forward motion. Do you think that Unreal, like, do you have to have the skills of somebody that would fit into that coder slot to be able to use it? Or do you think that's a, a way for people to kind of move forward making games without having to have like C-sharp mastery or something like that? No, that's exactly right. That's one of the big advantages. Like, again, I don't know any code, but the original prototype of, of Snake Pass, a very complicated character, was completely built without code, all using the blueprint system. Okay. So it, it kind of just replaces code. And then later on in the development process, we realized that a couple of calculations that the snake was doing were too slow to be done in the blueprint. So we actually lifted those out, transferred them in, into code. But that's just one coder translating what I've done into code. So it, it saves up huge amount of time from code, really. Gotcha. And uh, for us designers, we don't have to wait for code as well. If I want to see if something works, if I want to try something, I can just do it. I don't have to uh, submit a task and wait for the coder to finish all his other tasks. I can just keep going. It's, it's really good. Cool. Now to Sumo Digital itself as a place to work. You guys have yeah. games all across the board from Little Big Planet <laughs> 2 and 3, Snake Pass, then Dead Island 2 and Hitman, which have yeah. like a definite difference in kind of mentality and feel. How are the teams divided for how you work on this, or do you all kind of touch on everyone? How does that work? So generally the teams themselves, um, they, they primarily start off with a, a, a small core team, usually um, coders, designers, and um, uh, dev directors that work relatively close um, in, in previous projects. So you you tend to work with um, people that you work with a lot <laughs> from the beginning, just because you you want to keep that. Um, I guess that I wouldn't say camaraderie, but that same uh, I guess push of, of development that you've had on previous games, which is relative has been relatively uh, successful. Um, but we have a very good idea of how um, how talented uh, many people are. So a lot of times we will, you know, depending on the need, we'll, we'll bring a, um, I don't know, like an artist from one end or, or a 3D rigger and put him to another, bring him to another project uh, just for a little bit, just to ensure that everything is running relatively smoothly. Uh, but aside from that, um, we do work in multiple teams and we tend to stay relatively tight uh, until that project is done, and then we move on to another project. Um, and the cool thing is, it doesn't necessarily have to be within the same um, franchise or the same um, genre as well. 
Uh, I think that's one of the cool things that working at Sumo is that, like you were mentioning, there's so many different types of games that, that are being made over here. And we are primarily, I mean, well, previously we were primarily known as, you know, the racing uh, game. <laughs> the dev team, especially with uh, Sonic All-Stars Racing. Um, I have loads of people come up to me online and people that, that I meet. Just, oh, when are you guys going to make another OutRun too? And I played that again recently. That was, it's still really good. But, um, you know, like you said, we got Little Big Planet. Um, you know, we got Crackdown 3 coming out in a bit. Um, obviously, the, the Forza Horizon stuff that we helped work on too. Uh, the Toy Box with Disney Infinity, Hitman, Snake Pass for example. It's just so many different things and it's really cool that we have the, the option to uh, be able to work on uh, so many different projects and just kind of stretch our stretch our legs in that regards. And also at the same time, um, because I don't know if we've, we've touched upon this yet, Snake Pass did come from a game jam and we've been running um, internal game jams just uh, since 2015 and being able to, I guess, break away from the things that we that we normally work on and have to have a good amount of time to just uh, just creatively go nuts, really, more than anything else, is, is really nice. Um, helps, uh, how can I put this, let people just almost do what they want to a certain extent, things that they want to do. I mean, we've had um, QA people become designers because of the stuff that they've worked on during the game jam, you know, uh, just people stretching out into different realms that they wouldn't necessarily do uh, because of, you know, what they are primarily working on, so coders doing art or, or something like that. So just crazy stuff. And um, at the same time, there's always the possibility that your game might actually become a reality, just like Seth as well. So, you know, lots of cool different things going on over here in terms of our, our dev teams and what we can do. It's all quite separated, though, in the sense that we do have, obviously, different buildings or different floors for each project. Yeah, and especially... It does, come, does happen that because these are all for different clients who sometimes have conflicting yeah, interests. Yeah, Microsoft and Sony, for example. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes there is certain rules for a certain amount of weeks. You're not, If you're in this team, you're not allowed to yeah. go through that door. Yeah. <laughs> but it's completely understandable to do that, NDAs and whatnot. Yeah. We, want, we want to make sure, because we are working with so many different partners, we want to, at the same time, make sure that they're okay with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and we have, like, this super varied wide pool of people that we can pull from whenever we need uh -huh. them. But and other times, it does also yeah. bring challenges because yeah, the client's interest needs mm -hmm. to be taken into account yeah. as well. But we've been doing this for 14 years, so we have, we have a really good idea of what we need to be doing <laughs> yeah. in that regard. So. so no crossover, Noodle appears in Hitman as a new weapon that you throw at people, none of this stuff. That'd be pretty cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want that, but... If... We try, but all that kind of... All those kind of little... The references or Easter eggs, they all get <laughs> cut at some point. Yeah. <laughs> get spotted by someone with the authority. The QA, they all they're gone. <laughs> we try, but... Yeah. No. Okay. It's got another <laughs> So you're mentioning uh, some of these in Snake Pass being one of them. The, the transition for games from PC, console, now we're going to Switch, and Vita yes. is kind of thrown in there as well. How does something like Snake Pass, which has a, a lot of really interesting mechanics that you haven't seen before, kind of make that across-the-board transition? I mean, I heard you guys didn't even necessarily want to ship it with mouse controls, etc. Like, how, how do you make that work for so many different platforms? Well, the, the initially, that was never our intention. Like, to be honest, we the, the initial plan was, after I won the, the game jam, was to 
get three months with a very small team of three to five people and try to make something that as a promotional thing we could put on the website to, to show the world like we, we're doing game jams this is our first winner and we didn't really have any commercial aspirations for it initially but uh, as the as we started working on it early on, we had this very small, enthusiastic team and who all believed very much in this idea. So we managed in those three months to take it way beyond the, any, anyone really ever expected. And uh, when we showed that to the bosses, uh, they were also very impressed and, and they saw the potential of this actually being a, a proper mm -hmm. uh, title we could sell. So <clears throat> to make sure that we weren't just like uh, tapping our own shoulders, we we decided to make a new demo uh, to show on EJX REST in April 2015. Just to, 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 to 2016, yeah. yes. <laughs> just to see if there was actually uh, an audience for that game, if it, if it wasn't just us being proud of ourselves, but it was actually something we were onto. And when we brought it to EJX REST and we saw the reaction of the public and the big smiles on people's faces and, and the crowd around our booth all week, yeah, we knew that there was something uh, there and that we should try to like bring it to as many people as possible. And during that same week, it was also spotted by um, people from Sony, people from Microsoft, people from Nintendo, and they all expressed interest. And then we just have to thank our biz dev manager, Ian Richardson, for just working like an animal and, and warming up all these contacts and then developing them. and. Yeah, bringing us to the point where we were going to release it on on all the systems. Yeah. Sex Switch, we heard at the very last moment, like at the end of 2016, and we were going to come out in March 2017, so there was like four months, four, four or five months before release, we found out that we were going to do Switch release as well. And uh, yeah, then we had massive cooperation from both Nintendo and Epic to actually make that happen, because yeah. at that point, we had dev kits, but the dev kits were not compatible with Unreal yet. And uh, yeah, it was going to be a very massive game. challenge. Yeah. We had they a direct line to yeah. Nintendo, a direct line to, to Unreal, and they sort of helped us out a lot to, to make the porting happen. And that resulted in us in March releasing it on, on all platforms instead of just on our website. Yeah, and a lot of stuff that uh, we worked on with Snakefest and Unreal has moved on to different bits of the Unreal engine as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, actually, I think Snake Pass was the first Unreal game on Switch. It was, yeah. 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 Um, so that was, that, was, that was a pretty cool milestone to have. And this brings us to where I first encountered you guys, which was at PAX East and Tom. So now, let's bring you back in because poor Tom's sitting here. Uh, tell me about being the account manager at Plan of Attack, how that relates to Sumo Digital and how you end up basically being kind of the mouthpiece at different conventions saying like hey come come connect with the press come talk to the people at sumo um well it was actually a first time I've, I've been a sumo fan funnily enough since their first game um i was 13 when outrun 2 came out <laughs> and um I, I played it and i was reading a magazine called edge magazine which is a very famous magazine um and they had an they had an advert for they had they had the review for for to Outrun Two and then they had the um, in the back of the magazine they had an advert by Sumo looking for um, looking for um, new talent obviously I didn't apply because I was too young but I, I assumed that Sumo had been around for ages uh, turns out that was their first game but since then I've always known about them because they've always made awesome games like um, 
on the PSP was virtual tennis, which I thought I loved so much because there's, there's the, the one thing that Sumo understand better than a lot of developers is game feel, which is something that Seb and I should both really really appreciate. Um, so I played I played Snake Pass just randomly um, at EGX Res um, when they when they showed it. Uh, I met up with Ian Richardson, who said was Jeb just mentioned, and um, immediately I was. I just fell in love with it. I thought this is this is something really cool. It's it's a different uh, platform games are my favorite genre, and this is something new in that genre. The game looks nice, it plays nice, and I can see they could take it much further. So really, it was a case of me. I essentially emailed Ian every month for a very long time. So it was from <laughs> April until I think it was like December. Kind of went from there. So we had a meeting, and then they decided they'd like to use us. But at this point, obviously. The game was planning to launch in March, so we only had whew, we had uh, two months. I think it was fifteenth of January that we came down, something like that. And yeah, that was a bit of a blitz. <laughs> and really, from then, it was honestly like it was just grafting. So it was just a case of getting it in front of people. So it was me emailing, calling, just doing everything I could to get it. In. So I knew that once people saw it, they'd want to play it. And I knew that once people played it they'd like it and it turns out that you know we had we were there at gdc we were at pax we were um at egx res the next year um that was on the day of release we went to as many um places as we could and just i mean it was it was everywhere it was um especially gdc was really the the big sort of like blowout because we had we had it at, at the unreal booth running on switch um yeah, the switch game to there. was going to come out the next day as well yeah, exactly. And everyone wanted to see it. We had it. We had it running on the PC and the Xbox One as well. But everyone wanted to see it on Switch, and it was one of the only ways to play Switch at GDC as well, as far as I remember. They, they had a yeah. few minutes at the Unity booth as well. But um, yeah, I mean that 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 was just. But, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. In, in in response to your question, really, I mean, working on the game has been has been very it's been it's been it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been. On my professional career, easily the highlight, but in my personal life, meeting Seb, meeting Dino, meeting Ian, I've, I've made really good friends, and it's, it's oh, been oh, best It's been really hard, but it, honestly, it's been amazing. Yeah, he's, he's put in the work, and it, it's clearly shown <laughs> in terms of um, the visibility and everything like that. And considering the, the time frame that we gave him, to, to do what he had to do and, and the, the results that came out of it. We really couldn't have done it without Tom to be there and plan of attack. So major props to them. So, you know, any devs listening that need a good PR <laughs> game. Awesome. Check um, it out. <laughs> what Tom's talking about, I think is true for several games, including Snake Pass. It's like they have a, sort of a nostalgic, modernized feel. Like they're meant to be played in groups in a family, little big planet, uh, three, for sure. And, you know, it's kind of slightly twisted with John Cleese, but still wholesome, if you will. Um, really best in groups. I mean, yesterday, my family was playing Snake Pass, and we oh. were screaming at the top of our lungs <laughs> because there's a section where you have to go across um, on the bamboo, and you kind of have to twist around and climb all around to get between these two rocks. And <laughs> literally, like, you know, falling to our deaths and having, having you know, Doodle just abandon Noodle. <laughs> Once he starts to fall, that's the part I think is funny. Like the second he's really like, okay, we can't save him. Doodle's like, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Just let's go, you know. 
Yeah, it's definitely a spectator game. <laughs> Ever since we brought it out to the public, just <laughs> just watching people watch people play is, is pretty mm. hilarious. Mm. Especially when families are involved too. When you have the, I guess, the kids playing, and then the, the parents are actually trying to teach them how a snake really works. <laughs> in order for them to grasp how they need to do it within the game as well. So this is really cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, definitely. Just, just, it's just that the way he moves is quite mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. And um, because it has that element, because it is truly physics-based, there's no sort of, like, stickiness or animation, so to speak. It is literally based on what the physics are. It creates an element of, firstly, realism, but also just randomness. So you, you, unexpected things can sometimes happen. So yeah, it just it just makes it fascinating to watch because everyone approaches every kind of you know platform puzzle differently, and and every time you see someone play the game, it will never be the same. Which I think helps in the reason why it's fun to watch because you always want to think, oh well, how would I do this or how are they going to do this? And yeah, it just it works out really well. Yeah, and then because everybody knows how physics work, and, and the, the snake is an actual physics object, even a spectator can predict like what's going to happen. Like as soon as Noodle is about to slip off something, that's you, everyone can see that and go, Woo-hoo! yeah. <laughs> and the snake says it too. It's very different from watching someone play a race game, and he he, he flings out of the corner because he was holding the gas pedal too long. You're not as involved with that. If you look at the snake and you see he's about to fall, it just invokes more of a reaction, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. What are you finding the reactions of, of people based on that are in the press, etc.? Because these are challenging games, and, and it does take a little bit of time, especially if you're not like a console you know, maverick, to figure out the different combinations of where your fingers have to go, and you make sure you're gripping the, the pole while you're going around, and hey, maybe you should call Doodle, or maybe you shouldn't. Like, what are, what are people saying about that? that concept of trying something new with mechanics that they might not be used to. I think it's neat to say the least where people have been taking it um, initially. And the, um, maybe this is like half and half from what I've read online and everything. People, some people get it immediately. The others don't, but if they, they tend to come back probably like a couple days later and then they start playing again. They're like, Oh, it finally clicks. And a lot of people do that uh, come back since uh, we've added uh, the arcade mode. Uh, or excuse me, the um, a different mode. We had a time trial mode actually added to, uh, added to the game. And people were like, okay, new content, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll jump back in. And this is uh, for the, the Switch version. And they find themselves accepting what they have to do versus trying to force themselves to... I guess, push on. So, for example, a lot of players, when I've read that have had like frustrations, they were going for everything within a level. And that, for example, we had like the golden coins, which are relatively uh, set in hard areas to grab. And we're not, we don't tell people to go for it, but they go for it anyway. And they're obviously there for a reason. You know, you can always come back. That's not a problem. But as sometimes people just get way too involved in collecting everything and they get frustrated and then they leave. But, you know, thanks to updates, so on and so forth, we get people back in and then for some reason it just clicks all of a sudden for them and they're, they're no longer frustrated. Like, oh, I see what the people are, are talking about now. Now I, I can get past this, so on and so forth. So, yeah, it, it just takes different levels of, I guess, understanding <laughs> in a way. Gotcha. Well, the controls have, have been a huge 
challenge from the beginning and, and a concern as well because when we when I first made the initial prototype and we realized that we're gonna have this full 3D mo movement, uh, we also realized that there was no other game that that has that type of movement, and so we had to come up with with a new control scheme for that. So we tried all kinds of different ones for weeks on end, and we finally settled on on two versions that felt playable. And still at that point, we, we were still concerned, like, if it's too hard and if people are willing to go through this learning curve. Uh, but actually, I think, again, EJX Rest, when we first showed it to the public, was when, when those concerns sort of got moved to mm -hmm. the background. Because we realized that even while people are bad at it, or even while they're still learning it, they're still having fun. They're still screaming at the top of their lungs and yeah, smiles exactly. on their faces as they're dying constantly. Yeah. <laughs> So that was for us kind of like a, a moment of relief, like, okay, the controls are fine. Yes, people, some people are going to struggle, but it's not impossible, and the learning process itself is fun as well. And, well, once we accepted that, um, we, we, we knew we could move forward with it. And uh, we also brought both of those control schemes to EGX REST. And we had two consoles there, so... We do have A/B testing. Yeah. So after so after play was finished, we asked them to rate the controls and then their experience. And both the control schemes ended up at pretty much 50-50 in their rating. So we went with the one that we felt was best, mm -hmm. and that's the, the the final control scheme that's now in the game. But the other the alternative control scheme is still available. Yeah. The options. But they're not that far different from each other, no. really, in the grand scheme of things. So it's just the fact that this snake movement is completely unique and hasn't been done before. So you're pretty much forced to come up with a unique control scheme that hasn't been done before. Yeah, and I think, critically, a lot of the press people I've talked to, they really like the fact that we tried something new and pushed, pushed the boundaries of what a controller is currently doing. Um, and in terms of players, yeah, I've had, I've read, I've read a lot of comments about the game, and I'd say maybe two percent tops is is. Slagging it off for being too difficult, and 98% of all the comments are just positive. Yeah. Also about the controls, about the fact that it's new and fresh. Yeah. So I think overall it's just been a good decision, and it's worked out. Mm -hmm. And like I said, a lot of those people who did find it difficult do end up coming back at some point, and they change their minds. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it's just again. Once you, it clicks, it's not that yeah. difficult. It's it's just that yeah, training your brain for the first half an hour or hour and, and just learning your fingers to press the right buttons at the right time. Yeah. And that's not something players haven't done before, but it's just been a long time since they've been Different combination, right? Like yeah. I always say it's like driving a weird car, but really, just think like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any aspirations of this coming to VR? Because I really want people to be spinning in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we have actually tried it in VR already with the static camera, kind of like... Um, uh, Lucky's Tale. Yeah, oh, yeah. like Lucky uh -huh. Still, so you, you're fixed in a camera and you see the snake slithering. Cool. It, it did work. Yeah, we didn't uh, push it down through final development. I don't think we will either, but it is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you guys? Lots of things. Um, <laughs> There's some talk about <laughs> more Snake Pass. I've heard kind of talks of, hmm, maybe you'll do more in your UK interview. I, th I think I might have accidentally. <laughs> <spoiled something laughs> there was a DLC. But yeah, um, soon, <laughs> soon. Um, you know, we're always looking for ways to, I guess, um, expand upon Snake Pass and see see what's next, uh, what's possible. 
with the game. Um, we're also doing Crackdown 3 is the next big thing as well. And that's <laughs> very, very soon yeah. in, in dev time. And, you know, we're going to be the a title that launches with the Xbox One X as well. So that's everybody's really excited and also very busy. <laughs> uh, we were also, you know, like mentioned Dead Island 2. That, that's still being worked on. And a couple more surprises. Definitely. So it's going to be really cool. This year is going to be very cool, to say the least, for, for Simply Digital, and really the years after. Just lots of different things. And we just recently had our our summer game jam as well, and we've seen some really cool ideas come out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winner, uh, which is uh, also from the Little Big Planet community, where he originated from, actually uh, all three of the guys that, that worked on it, mm-hmm. um, they made this game called an eight-letter eight-legged project, and it's, uh, I think we put it on our Twitter, but you control a spider, and you just crawl around everything, but the, the movement is, it's very captivating and spectacular, and it, it, it's almost reminiscent of how everybody was kind of excited how, when Snake, when you did your Snake Simulator, mm-hmm. um, because you are controlling a spider just almost like how a spider would. The camera follows you as well, so there's a sense of not necessarily vertigo, but the <laughs> just being able to move around and, and at the same time not have that camera fixed within a particular position. So you lose, you almost lose a sense of gravity. Yeah. In a sense. So whatever you're so holding. So you can just on, walk yeah. up to a wall and the camera will follow you as oh. if you're still walking on the floor. Yeah. And then you're walking on the ceiling. And after doing that for a while, you have no idea anymore yeah. what's, what's, where is, what's where. up, what's down. And yeah. when you go in a tunnel and then you come out of it, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where am I now? Yeah, it, it's really cool, and then we've had we've had several comments saying, um, "You guys stop, gotta stop making creepy animals." Yeah, right? I was gonna say that. Super <laughs> digital, creating new love for creatures terrifying America all across. Yeah, yeah. and they all start with S as well. So ah. those scary snakes and spiders. <laughs> <laughs> this is good for Halloween. Excuse me. This is good for Halloween. You should release Almost it. Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a good call. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the, the release date for Spider's Web. Well, I don't know. What it's get cracking. No get cracking. Yeah, we we got it. We got it. Yeah, we got to put it through the the whole prototyping phase and everything like that. But it's you know it's cool to see. <laughs> Tom, you have a and, month and a half. Yeah, Tom, <laughs> you, you definitely have a bit of a um, lead time on this one now. Yeah. <laughs> but again, we'll see where that goes. But I think that's a very promising concept, and the the cool thing is. A lot of people here have awesome ideas that can definitely flourish into, you know, something great, really more than anything else. And we have a lot of talented people here at Summa Digital. It's cool working with all of them. Great. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say before we basically close? Um, well, I mean, if you haven't tried Snake Pass, um, yes, please give it a go. And we where can people like find that besides the PS? An announcement. Yeah, yeah. We, we got we got some cool yeah, stuff pretty yeah. soon. So yeah, if you obviously check us out on Snake underscore Pass on Twitter, uh, Snake Pass Game on Facebook. Uh, just keep an eye out, because like I said, soon there uh, will be... Did you just say soon? soon? I did. Soon. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry um, about that. You know, think like a snake. But <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, since we have, I'm sure, uh, like, devs and whatnot listen to this, um, we're, we're hiring as well over here at Sumo Digital. So definitely check out our website too, on our career site, you know, www.sumo-digital.com. And we're also on our Twitter as well, Sumo Digital LTD, aside from 
Okay, well, that concludes the interview, but that was great, guys. Thank you for uh, for answering all that.